Hello in and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's episode is brought to you by Mega Ton Coffee. Mega Ton Coffee is one of, if not my favorite coffees out there. I, I love to brew it. It is twice as strong as normal coffee yet tastes even better. I don't know how they do it. I know when I first tried it, I just assumed it would be a little bitter because of the high caffeine content, but boy, was I wrong. So you can try this stuff at megatoncoffee.com. You can also follow them on Instagram, and in addition to the great coffee they make, they're actually hooking up all the guests with a free pound of coffee as well, and I'm always excited to send those little goodies out to uh, everyone who comes on the show. So Give them a follow, megatoncoffee.com. You can follow them on Instagram. Believe me, you're going to love this stuff. So today's episode might end up being one of, if not the best, um, in the history of the Rambling Runner podcast, when it's all said and done. Holly Hughes is the guest, and she is not only just a remarkable person and a remarkable runner, but so enjoyable to talk to. My goodness, it just... This almost hour and a half episode we just recorded it and it just flew by uh, it just she has to be heard and seen to be believed she is absolutely one of a kind i felt like i could have talked to her for five hours this woman is simply incredible uh she pushed her son jonah uh to a marathon time of 308 58 at the wine glass marathon just a couple weeks ago um you know, so her her son Jonah was born. Uh, he's about eight years old now. He was born uh, with spastic quadriplegia, cerebral palsy, medically refractory epilepsy, and cognitive visual impairment, as well as some other issues. So she pushes him in a chair during the marathons, and it is just a remarkable story. And it's one of those things where if you don't think you're able to achieve your goals in anything. Listen to this. Listen to this woman and listen to her talk about Jonah and what he's able to do as well. Um, you know, I interview Holly in this episode, but there's a lot of Jonah talk and he seems like an extraordinary individual as well. I'm not going to continue talking because I just want you to get into this episode. This really was remarkable. So please listen to my conversation with Holly Hughes. Hello, Holly, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great. It's so great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I have been wanting to talk to you for a little while now. Um, I guess the first thing I have to say is you are just remarkable. Is it, <laughs> seeing what you're doing from a running perspective, um, it's just it truly is amazing. So let me just say, first off, that you recently ran a 305. 58 at the wine glass marathon so congratulations on this amazing performance oh thank you it was a 308 though but thank you <laughs> what, what did i say 305 oh. i wish maybe soon maybe soon i don't know <laughs> maybe we can just go back and change it yeah <laughs> either way 308 it's funny yeah. as, as i i was reading that and as i was reading i was like I don't think this is right, but I wrote it down, so I'm going to read it anyway. So thank you for correcting me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> but shoot, it, hey, the compliment stands. 308.58 is, <laughs> is, is a fantastic, fantastic time. And I know you were over the moon about it. 
So, yeah. so first of all, congratulations <laughs> on that. And I can't wait to talk to you. There's so many things to talk about. But not only is running a 308.58, so you got it right that time, 308.58, <laughs> a fantastic marathon performance for anybody, but you did it pushing your son, Jonah, yes, as yep. well, which is which obviously makes it harder, certainly, for a lot of reasons. So it, it truly is a remarkable performance. Um, before we get into just the, 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 your backstory and as a runner and as a mom and then all of this, when you were, say, like, you know, two or three weeks out from this mm-hmm. race, what was your expectation uh, for, for a finishing time? I actually didn't have an expectation. Our sole goal was just to finish and to finish and be happy and to finish healthy. So we didn't have any time goal or anything like that going into it. Now, does that make it difficult to pace yourself? With some, when you don't really have a time goal in that respect? Um, no, I think the goal is just to constantly like be aware of how my body feels and how Joan is doing. And, you know, if it feels good, we go with it. And, you know, if anything starts to bother us, we just, you know, slow down. So not really, but, um, the day before the marathon, my coach, Mary Johnson actually did give me a race plan. So we did have a race plan for Sunday. It was just, um, uh, it uh, you know, just more of an idea of what to do, something we could go back and fix during the race, I guess. So, okay. So what, what did that entail? Um, what was her plan for us? Yeah. So <laughs> well, she sent me a message. It was pretty funny because, um, you know, a few days before the marathon, the Boston qualifying qualifying standards came out. And um, so I looked those over and I sent her a message and I was like, I know we don't have a time going into this, Mary, but, you know, do you realistically think that we could run a 335? Because that was our qualifying time. And I said, but I need to know from your perspective if we can do this and still accomplish our goals of just really enjoying ourselves and having a lot of fun. And she was like, I'm going to give you a call. So, um, prior to her giving me a call, she sent her plan to us and I got it and I just immediately started laughing and she called me right after and I'm like, I'm still laughing because that's bizarre. I can't run this time. (laughs) So she wanted me to go out looking to run a 320, which I really had no expectation of doing whatsoever. So we were looking like at the first 10 K running like 740 to 750 pace. And then looking at the rest of the race in like five mile chunks. So we are going to pick it up like five to 10 seconds per mile, every five miles from that point on. So it was like 740 to 750, the first six miles, then like 735 ish, the next five, 730, the next five, 720, the next five and then 22 to 26 she just said I could go and do whatever I had left so and the first half she put a speed limit on me so I couldn't go any faster than a 730 mile so that that was the plan going into it and I just went to bed that night going she is out of her mind there is no way I'm gonna run that and like I'll just not run any faster than 740 or 750 pace and she'll be happy and I'll be happy and it'll be all great so it just went way past any of our expectations though. So. Wow. It is, it's funny to hear that because yeah. <laughs> like you were laughing at first because you thought it was like, it was ridiculous because it was yes. way too fast. And it's funny. Yes. I'm laughing now because it was way too slow. <laughs> because here you are, you ran a 308. So, yeah, so obviously a 320, 
um, you know, this is this isn't about Mary. Mary's a fantastic coach, but it's funny after the fact you say, "Wow, three twenty is too like it was twelve minutes slower <laughs> than what you actually ran, but you only you basically beat the time that you were hoping for." Slight, you know, kind of hoping for so three thirty five was like a, a general goal. Mm-hmm. Almost beat that by half an hour. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I don't know how. Exactly, exactly <laughs> one minute per mile faster than your general goal. Which is absolutely yeah. nuts. All right. So this, I feel like this, before we dive in full on into what happened in this mm-hmm. race, mm-hmm. I think this is a good time to kind of press the rewind button uh, a little okay. bit. So um, I guess, first of all, when did you get into running? Oh, I started running when I was 12. I was in seventh grade. So I started with modified cross country. One of my friends was going out and I wasn't playing any other sports and she wanted to run. So I decided I'd join the team with her so she'd have a friend. Um, And I ended up being the one that kept running. I just fell in love with it. So yeah, I I started running in seventh grade and I just really haven't stopped since. Um, I've stopped for injuries. I've been injured a lot and I stopped with the kids and stuff, but I've always loved running. Okay, so you ran in high school. Did you run mm-hmm. in college or through college? I did. I had I ran at the University at Buffalo. Okay, so SUNY Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and what what uh cross country track? Both? Yeah, yep. I did cross country, indoor, and outdoor track. Um, in outdoor track, I did the steeple chase, which was my favorite event. I just loved it. Um, I also did the five k as well. Oh wow! So steeple is like has had. You know, I don't know if you call it a resurgence, but it's definitely in the news lately for American women. Oh, with Emma Coburn mm-hmm. and Forex, like they are just kicking butt, and it, it really is amazing what they've been able to do. Oh my gosh, they're so amazing! I love watching them run. They are just so incredible. <laughs> yeah, they're insane. <laughs> it's funny because even when I was in high school and I did high school track, it was like the steeplechase was just like such an anomaly. It was like, mm-hmm. wait, who would do that? It was such a random thing. It was almost like, oh, you if you weren't good enough for the other events and you couldn't score, then you got put into the steeplechase. <laughs> yeah. So they didn't even have steeplechase when I was in college for girls yet. So it started the year after I graduated. But I don't know. I think every college I was recruited by, um, they were starting steeplechase the next year. So every college I was recruited by said to me, oh, you're going to be a steeplechase runner. You're going to be a steeplechase runner. And I think a lot of that was because I wasn't like your typical, you know, super thin, long distance runner. You know, I was like, I had a lot of muscle. And I think they just looked at me and were like, oh, she looks tough. So we'll put her in steeplechase. So. It's, that's so funny. Because like, if you look at the women who run the steeplechase now, they don't look any different than any of the women who run any other events. Oh, or not di- at all. Yeah. Yeah, this is like that, that's hysterical. Yeah. Was it just because like <laughs> even like I'm just thinking like how like you would compare or kind of make those sort of value judgments on a woman's body and like sort of put it towards a certain event? Like I can't even think mm-hmm. about like why they would even view that as the case. It's not like it's like you know it's not like a um, you know outdoor like CrossFit games. That's right, right. It was too much. It's basically like you know, just short of a race with a couple of hurdles in it it's really right. not that big of a deal. <laughs> right and i had never hurdled either so it wasn't like they were like oh she can hurdle really well so let's put her in the steeplechase no <laughs> but it ended up going really well i set our school record in the steeplechase so i mean well you kind of had I mean, to when you're on, first one on, doing Holly. it right <laughs> i mean I'm, i want to sing your praises but like the steeplechase didn't exist before you got there i know right <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, too funny. <laughs> I know. Right? I, like, I, went yeah. to, I went to I went to a college that you that was formerly an all girls college. Yeah. So you know, so every once in a while, I would tell people where I, where I played college basketball, and they're like, "Well, yeah, of course you started there, dude." All girls school. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. I yeah. see your point, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so funny. <laughs> So when you, oh, after you graduated college, what was mm-hmm. it like for you and how you approached running? Because there's a lot of athletes, as you know, when they finish up college track and cross country, where there's like this decompression period where like it's such an intense environment and their connected, their connection to running mm-hmm. has been so like hardcore for so long that a lot of people take a little bit of time off, especially if they're not like going right into the pro ranks. How, how did mm-hmm. it work for you? Well, I actually had my daughter right after I graduated. Um, She's 14 now. So I I had to take time off anyways, because, you know, I was having my first child. So I don't even think that that really, you know, like I came, I moved back home. I had my daughter. I started my master's. So stepping away from running at that time was a reprieve for me. I was injured. I'd suffered through so many injuries in high school and in college that I just needed that break. So um, it, it was a good time off for me. Um, once I started back running again, she was about six months old. And then I really started to miss it. Like I'd had my time off, like life was settled and, you know, you just start missing it. So um, one of my friends, she's actually one of my best friends now. We've been running together for almost 14 years now. Um, she ran for the same high school that I did. And she had just moved back home and she was looking for a new training partner as well. Um, so she reached out and uh, wanted, you know, someone that could she could do workouts with and long runs. And so we ended up just hitting it off and we've been running together ever since. So it's been it's been a lot of fun. So. Now, the injuries that you had in high school and mm-hmm. college, were they yeah. overuse injuries or were they just kind of like fluke fluke things? How did it work out for you? Oh, definitely overuse injuries. So I started in seventh grade. I mean, I was injured even in seventh grade. And that's, I mean, it's my fault. I, I would just, like, if you told me to go do something, I'd go do that. And then I'd be like, oh, well, I should do more than that then. You know, if I want to get better, then I'll do even more and then I'll get better. So I always ended up her like stress fracture after stress fracture. Um, and then my freshman year, I was actually diagnosed with Graves disease. So that's um, an autoimmune hyperthyroid condition. And, and that really, that really sent me back quite a bit. So um, in college, it was the same thing. Like I, I wouldn't listen to my college coach. Like she'd like, take your easy days easy. And I'm like, no, I have to go run these as hard as I can. And it took until like my late twenties, early thirties even now to be like, Oh, I'm supposed to run slow on my easy days. These are supposed to feel easy. So it's been a lot of just over overuse injuries. So. And how did Graves disease affect you physically? Oh, it was, it was terrible. Um, I used to, I started passing out in my country races. So that's when things started really getting bad my freshman year. Like I would just start running and like I passed out going up a hill. I passed out before a finish line. Um, So I lost a lot of weight, like so much weight that people just assumed that I had an eating disorder. So um it was just really not a good time at all. I was super, super dizzy all the time. I had really horrible headaches. My hair was falling out. Um, so 
it, it took them some time to figure out what was going on with me. My mom was super persistent and she's actually the one that approached the doctor and was like, Hey, can we get her thyroid tested? Because that runs in my family. And um, once they diagnosed me, it was a matter of like finding the right medication. And then I spent the next three years just trying to find the right medication and they couldn't do it. So finally they did a radioactive ablation of my thyroid when I was going into my sophomore year of college. So even in college, you know, it was just like, I could never, never feel good enough when I was running because it was like constant fatigue, constant dizziness. Um, So it's been, it's been a challenge, but I've been able to run through it. So I'm, I'm fortunate. So yeah, so how were you able to – it seems like you're running and dizziness aren't, like, two things that you want to combine. <laughs> so, so here you are in high school, you know, you're, you're having these symptoms, and they're persisting, right? They're not, like, going mm-hmm. in and out, right? It's been, it's been fairly consistent, and yet you're able to run at a level where you're a recruited athlete for colleges – so what exactly, how are you able to manage that? Like, I can't even like walk across a room dizzy. Well, the dizziness wouldn't, wouldn't always be so bad. It'd be when my levels were really off. So we, we would make some medication changes and then like three or four weeks, I'd feel good for a while, you know, for, for, you know, maybe a month or two months or three months. And then we'd have to make more medication changes. So it wasn't a constant state of dizziness. Oh, okay. I, yeah. So I would, I would know, I'd be like, Oh, I'm not feeling so great. I'm getting really dizzy again. Or, you know, I'm like super, super tired. We would do some labs and then adjust. So it wasn't, it wasn't like an always thing. So. So yeah. this idea of like you always pushing it, pushing it, mm-hmm. pushing it, pushing it. <laughs> were you just like, you have like an addictive personality. Are you just super competitive? Were you just like <laughs> at that time, Both. Like, like, were you just like kind of like stubborn or out your, personality that made you keep pushing it even in the face of like respected coaches telling you to back off <laughs> all three <laughs> um <laughs> yeah stubbornness for sure uh I'm just that type of person that it's like I have to constantly go 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 I'm super competitive and yeah I just I'm pretty driven too so like if I have a goal in my mind I I really don't need outside encouragement like I can just encourage myself, I guess, if that makes sense, you know, like, I I just want to be successful in whatever goal that I put before myself. So I don't know, I think I think even it's to a detriment, though, because sometimes I don't know when to back off. So now can you that's so interesting to me, because I am not like that. So I'm fascinated (laughs) by people who are because it's so foreign to me. Um, (laughs) So when you have that, that person, like that, have that personality type, but like you have that goal and it's just like a fixation. You're like, I am going to achieve this. I will do whatever I need to do to achieve this. Um, can you do that with more than one goal at a time? Like, could you do that for an athletic goal and like an academic goal or athletical and a professional goal? Or is it just like one goal is like the beacon for all activity? Um, right now, I think it has to be just one goal in high school. I, I was competitive even in academics. I graduated a year early and was our valedictorian. I just had that, like, I have to be the best in the classroom. I have to be the best on the track. And um, right now, though, no, I just need to have one, one goal and one goal is enough. And that's all I can focus on. The other stuff, I kind of just have to be like, okay, you have a goal, focus on this one. Not everything else in my life has to be perfect. You know what I mean? It's just pick one and stick with that one. <laughs> 
but so who over time say during that period of your life say mm-hmm. like 18 to 28 mm-hmm. during that period of time that we started talking about who were the people who you would be potentially willing to like hear out if they were like yo you got to like cut it out or like you need to back off or like who did you have people in your life that, that they could be frank with you about that sort of thing or did you just have to kind of like trial and error a lot of things uh pretty much trial and error because my college coach was amazing I just adore I adored her I still adore her and and she would try and like tame me down and I just didn't want to hear it but she was great so it's really I think trial and error I think I just have to see it for myself like nobody at that time nobody could tell me anything I just had to experience it on my own no it's not that way at all well now you're a mother of four so there's like I feel like I feel like you can't it like it forces you into the mold Mm -hmm. of like not being able to just focus on one thing because like good luck right (laughs) if you wanted to just focus (laughs) on one thing um that's just not gonna happen um even if it's like with one of the kids or all the kids it's like yeah good luck with any of that um right is that is that how you really were kind of forced into it like by having a kid at 22 23 like you must have been like all right like yep now it's just you know like i said like you're just just kind of forced into it by that point absolutely 100 percent forced into it and you adapt and i'm so glad i did because i am so much happier now so yes (laughs) So did you experience, have you experienced overuse injuries since age 23 or 24? Oh, I did because that stubbornness is still persistent and it's still something that I work on very hard. Um, So when I came back from actually uh, Jonah and having Jack, my two, my two youngest, I had stress fractures after both of them. So I have not had any overuse injury though in three years at this point and I will never have one again knock on wood so (laughs) if there was wood around me I'd be knocking on it so so what kind of stress fractures did you have I had a stress fracture in my right mid tib and in my left mid tib all right you're gonna have to break that down for me I'm not I'm not up on the Uh, lingo of this um, my my right um mid tibia and then my left mid tibia so like the front of your uh, the front of my right leg and the front of my left leg. It kind of felt it... like shin splints. Oh, okay. So that, that's mm-hmm. that, so, the, so the fibula is above the knee. The tibia is below the knee. Yes, okay. I think so. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So is, did, it, did it progress from like shin splints to a stress fracture, or is it just kind of like pop up as stress fracture? Mine, I just had stress fractures. I didn't feel any type of shin splints. So when I finally went to the doctor, they did. Um, scans and then I had the two stress fractures I'd had them before actually pretty much in the same spot so when they were starting up again I was like oh well maybe they won't progress but they did so I should have stopped and you know taken some time off right then but I was being stubborn so now is that a time that is that the kind of injury that requires a lot of can you get it going pretty quick um I took about four weeks off so not too bad Mm-mm. nope I not mean, too bad at all like a, unless you have like a race on your like a race like you're leading up to it stinks yeah but yeah it, it they affected me more I think in high school and college when I had them just because you know you're constantly running when I had them when I you know after I had the kids it was like it wasn't enjoyable but it wasn't as detrimental or as you know I wasn't as sad about it as I was before so now did you have any big races in your in your like your mid to late 20s that you were really got up for and like 
during that time? Because obviously, yeah, you know, you're you're getting into it. You have this old friend you reconnected with. You're going on all these runs, but again, like, you know, you you also gave birth to four kids. So you kind of like, you must have been on this like you know like it's like a roller coaster of like getting to peak fitness, then another uh-huh. kid getting to peak fitness, yeah. then have another kid. <laughs> yep. Um. So after I had Alina, um, when my friend and I started running together, we we're like, oh, let's do a marathon. You know, like that'll be our first thing that we train for together. So I did run my first marathon. I think I was like twenty three. It was right before I had my son Noah. So, um. I ran, I think, a 257 um, for my first one. And then my husband and I decided to have Noah. So we had Noah. And then after having Noah, uh, my husband was training for a marathon. And so I was like, yeah, I'll run another marathon too. So we're both training for Buffalo at that time. And I was um, like three weeks out from the marathon, if I remember correctly, when I found out I was pregnant with with Jonah. So then I had to stop running um, because I had a um, condition called placenta previa. So they made me stop running. So then after Jonah, um, I took a lot of time off after I had him and really didn't start. I started running for, for a little bit before I had Jack, but I wasn't training for any race or anything. And then we had Jack. And then, um, then I decided that, you know, I would start running with some, some other goals in mind. Got it. And how old were you when you had Jack? When I had Jack, I was 30. Okay. All right. Yep. All right. So with Jonah, so I've, I've written all this down. Please correct me if I'm, if, okay. I'm, if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly. So with okay. Jonah, he had spastic quadriplegia mm-hmm. with cerebral palsy, mm-hmm. medically refractory epilepsy, and cognitive yes. visual impairment. Yes. Is that right? Now, was yep. all of that pretty evident early on or how, how did it come no. to pass? Oh, it, um, it was not. So his pregnancy was pretty okay. Um, outside the placenta previa, I mean, it was really no big deal. Um, then I ended up having him really early. I had him at 29 weeks. So, um, completely unexpected. It, it was just, it was just the craziest day. So, um, I went in that morning, like I was really sick that, that night before I had him and had horrible back pain and just thought, you know, that I was just supremely uncomfortable. I didn't realize at the time that I was actually having some contractions. So, you know, I didn't really say anything. I kind of just dealt with it until that morning. My husband and I were volunteering um, at, it's our red bookshelf here where we live. And we go in and you would like read to little kids. And um, I just couldn't, I couldn't stand the pain anymore. It just like, it was just overwhelming. So um, we went to the hospital because at that time I was like, something is not right. And um, I thought, you know, I was like, I, I got to be in labor. They're, I'm going to go in. They're going to give me some medicine. They're going to stop my labor and everything's going to be okay. We go in and the complete opposite happened. And um, my, I actually ended up having a placental abruption. So it was very fortunate that I was in the hospital because that, you know, you can have way more complications than what we had if we wouldn't have already been in the hospital, but they ended up having to do an emergency C-section. So, um, he ended up having a stroke during my delivery. So we knew that, you know, there was a possibility that we would have some, you know, that he would have some complications. He spent two months in the NICU, but when we left the NICU, he was doing great. Like he, you know, we watched so, so many kids, during that time have so many more struggles than he did. And we felt just so sad for them. And it's just this like really horrible experience where 
you know, you're so sad for all these families yet. You're like, Oh, well, we're happy that that's not us, you know? And then you feel terrible because you, you don't, you don't wish any, you know, you, you just want everybody to be healthy and everybody to bring their babies home on time. And, um, so when we left there, we had no, um, no, none of the doctors there told us to expect anything that, you know, we've, we've dealt with at that time. So it's, it took about 10 months before Jonah was diagnosed. And during that time, he, by the time he was about six months, I really knew something was wrong. And I would take him to the pediatrician and say, you know, and tell him, I'm like, something's wrong with something's wrong. Like he's not sitting, he's not, he's not rolling over. Like he, he's not meeting milestones. And um, from six until 10 months, I was at the doctor's office so many times. I was so frustrated and they just kept telling me he's premature. He's premature. Like, I'm like, no, I know I get he's premature, but I have two other kids and this is different. Like his hands were constantly, constantly fisted. Like he couldn't, um, like I, I, I breastfed him and he, he just couldn't swallow and he struggled to breathe and it, it was just, just horrible. And you know, finally, I reached out to a community agency that we have um, that one of my friends had mentioned to us. It's called Early Intervention. And I was like, can you come and do an evaluation? Like, I'm really worried about my son and I don't feel like the doctors are listening to me. And so they bring therapists out to your house and they do an evaluation. And the physical therapist at that time had said to me, like, I'm, I'm calling his pediatrician when we leave here. Like, he needs therapy. Like we need to get the ball rolling and he needs to see a neurologist and, um, things moved really quickly after that point. So, um, yeah, he, it it was, it was not expected. So the, the cortical visual impairment, he wasn't diagnosed with that until much later. His epilepsy started when he was two. So really that first diagnosis that we had was just the uh, spastic quadriplegic cerebral palsy. And um, he also had something called a Chiari malformation, which he underwent um, brain surgery for when he was 18 months old. So those were really our two main concerns at that time. Everything else just kind of snowballed after that. So. Yeah. So in addition to all of that, you also Mm -hmm. take care of your other kids. Yes. Yes. Right. Which, so, which must have yeah. been, it, it must have been so hard trying to like it, balance yeah. like, are oh, you, you're, you, mm-hmm. and you have like, all right, obviously you want to give him all the attention that you can, yes. but you also yep. feel the exact same way about your other kids. Yes. And like you just mentioned like the hard part of like, you know, the comparison of like, Hey, you know, at least he's not as bad as he could be. And then the, the mm-hmm. potential guilt that goes around that just emotionally you and your husband, it must've just been such a difficult time. It was horrible. Like, as you said, we had two little kids at home that, you know, wanted to be with us and you, you were split, you were split in two all the time. Like I would be with Alina and Noah and just my heart would also want to be with Jonah. And then when I was with Jonah, you would feel like a terrible mom because you knew the other two were at home missing you and wanting you to be at home too. And it, those, those two months were just a terrible time. Our family was amazing. They were just absolutely incredible. They would come over every night. We'd put our littlest to bed. They would come over and then my husband and I would go to the hospital and stay at the hospital with him until like midnight, most nights. And then during the day, my daughter was in school and my son, I actually put him in daycare so I could spend the day with Jonah. And then I would pick him up. We'd do our dinner. We'd have, you know, our nighttime 
time together and then we'd go back to the hospital. It w- it was just, it was an exhausting, it was an exhausting time. And you just mentioned that he, he developed absolutely at age two and then the mm-hmm. visual impairment, you know, mm-hmm. came in later on in the game as well. So have you ever felt like you got to a point where you were able to have a routine with him at all? <laughs> um. I mean, our routine is that we just (laughs) kind of expect the unexpected. Like you cannot have a routine when you have a kid with the type of epilepsy that he has. He has a really rare, when he was five, he was actually diagnosed with a really rare epilepsy syndrome on, in addition to um, the refractory epilepsy that he has. All right. So it's been embracing the chaos. Um, That's kind of what our routine is, is just to expect the unexpected and to know that we can, you know, have to change things at any time because he's in the, you know, he's in and out of the hospital sometimes. And, you know, if he has a really bad seizure, then I can't, you know, fulfill all of my commitments. So instead of making a lot of commitments, I've just really whittled them down to the most important ones. And then I always have like, somebody on hand so it's usually like my mom or my husband's mom or my husband himself so if something does happen we we have a backup but really it's just it's just pretty much chaos in our house but it's it's a great chaos and you know we've we figured out how to manage it so we manage without a routine at this point yeah i can imagine and then obviously we could talk about this stuff all day Um, it, it is fascinating to hear how other parents deal with um you um you know i feel like every personal situation is unique in their own way but mm-hmm. as your situation um i mean this is thing is more unique but i guess it's, it's different <laughs> than a lot of people's experiences that's for sure yeah. and and i just want to keep it in the context of running for now mm-hmm. because this is a running podcast and you're doing yep. amazing things with running and i'm excited to talk about that so okay. um, i'm going to pivot here not because i'm not interested in all this other stuff but i do want to mm-hmm. kind of keep it along those lines yeah, absolutely. And then we can continue the tangent as we go. But, okay. And then you have a very interesting blog post. Um, on you, you, you started a blog for a little bit, and it was like, the title of it was just it was like July twenty eighth. It was like this mm-hmm. line of demarcation for you. I think it was July twenty eighth, two thousand seventeen. Yes, um, it was. So, what about that day? Was like the, like I said, this line of demarcation for you mm-hmm. as a person you know, mother, runner, it is the, the full encompassing of what was going on in your life. So it, that day um, really changed my life, I guess. Um, so I ended, I went out on a run and um, things just weren't clicking properly. Like my leg was going out. My other leg started going out. Um, I, I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't feel them at times. And, um, you know, I just, I think if you read my blog post, it's too much information, but like, I was like wetting my pants uncontrollably and just all these weird things had, you know, started happening or, um, I guess culminated into this because it had actually been going on for much longer retrospectively. But, um, yeah, it was really the last run that I took for a very, very long time. Um, because I ended up, uh, six months later being diagnosed with, or no, seven, eight months later being diagnosed with Addison's disease. So, um, my running, I I couldn't run. I just couldn't run. I would go out and try and run like a mile and my body just would stop working. Like there were times where 
like on the the very next day from that from so the 28th I um I couldn't get out of bed I couldn't I couldn't walk like I had to crawl to the bathroom I couldn't eat I couldn't speak um it, I couldn't pick up a pen or it, it was just a horrible horrible time um it just things just started spiraling out of control um and it, yeah sorry I'm rambling <laughs> that must have been so scary <laughs> it, it was it was very scary um I went to my doctor. She didn't know what was going on with me. Um, they at first attributed it to my thyroid because my thyroid levels were off. And, um, you know, it takes us back to, you know, that radioactive ablation and just struggling with my thyroid. And so she just wanted to write me off as having it be my thyroid. And I was like, this is not my thyroid. I've never felt like this in my entire life. Like I literally could not function. I couldn't take care of my children. I couldn't take care of myself. I needed my mom to drive me to doctor's appointments so my husband could stay home with our kids. Um, I needed her to fill out like my doctor's forms because I couldn't write. Um, so I ended up going to a different primary care doctor because I was so upset with mine because I'm like, this isn't my thyroid. And she wouldn't, she just wouldn't listen to me. She wouldn't take me seriously. This seems to be a running theme here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it, it's been a running theme. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> So then that doctor didn't want to listen. The next one that I went to, she was like, okay, well, yeah, it's, it's a magnesium deficiency. It's a B12 deficiency. And then uh, one of the viral panels came back positive. So she's like, oh, it's this virus. It's this virus. And I'm like, I really don't think it's this virus. Like, this is insane. Like, I've never felt so terrible in my entire life. So then um, I ended up seeing a new endocrinologist and she then was like, oh, again, back to thinking that it was my thyroid. And it, it was just a bizarre time. They ended up sending me to the ER. And then the ER doctor, um, he did an MRI because he thought I had multiple sclerosis, which I don't. And then they then sent me to the neurologist. And the neurologist thought I had Lyme's disease because my initial Lyme result came back positive. So they treated me for Lyme disease, which ended up not being Lyme's. And um, I saw another neurologist because that neurologist sent me to a neuromuscular specialist. And then he. This is like Wheel of Fortune. They just keep spinning the wheel. <laughs> they like, did. What's it going to land on next? <laughs> they did. And the whole time, the only thing I wanted to do was run. <laughs> That's it. I just wanted to run. Jonah and I were training. Up until that point, we had been training for wine glass. We had run it the year before. The year before, we ran a 310, which we were just so unbelievably happy with. Our training was going so much better than it did the year before until I got sick. You know, like we were just headed on the right path. Like we were super pumped, super excited. And then, you know, July 27th and July 28th, and it was like just crickets. Like everything just came to a complete and utter stop. So it was just devastating. So then that doctor, the neuromuscular specialist diagnosed me with a thyroid myopathy. So basically it was like my muscles were diseased because my thyroid levels were so out of control. So um, again, I was like, I'm not understanding. Like I would go home and research and be like, I don't understand how these pieces fit together. So uh, my chiropractor who I've been working with for uh, like two years at this point, he kept like pushing me to see somebody else because he was like, Holly, like I've worked on you for two years. Like you can't just come in here and be in this shape. Like right now, like the answers they're giving you are not good enough. 
So, and Mary was pushing me too. She's like, no, you have to keep advocating for yourself. So I got in with a new endocrinologist and she looked at my labs and I'm not kidding. She walked out of her office and was like, schedule her for the ACTH testing in the morning, the next morning. This is to, they, that's what the test that they use to diagnose someone with Addison's disease or like adrenal insufficiency or, and, um, she, she knew just by looking at my labs And so the next day they did the test. It ended up being my, it was actually my birthday, my 35th birthday. And she called me and she was like, yeah, she's like, they're back. And they were, they were waiting on a few other levels, but, um, that it ended up being Addison's disease. So, I mean, I was excited. I had an answer, but with that answer, she was like, yeah, you're, you're done. You're done running. I'm like, and I wasn't running at the time, but that was in the back of my head. Like, I'm just waiting to feel good again so I can run. And so I can push Jonah and he's waiting for me to get healthy so we can run together because like running for him and I, that's our thing. Like, that's what we love to do. Um, so she, you know, she's like, yeah, you, you're, you're done. Like people that have Addison's disease, you know, it's, it's, um, like it's adrenal insufficiency. So my adrenal glands don't work. So you need cortisol to, um, it's like your stress hormone. So when you're running, like you're exerting stress, you know, and your body will then produce more cortisol to account for the stress that your body's going through. So, um, it, it was a really devastating time. And, um, is this I, genetic or is this something that it's just a, like, yeah, it's an autoimmune disease. Oh, okay. So, um, you can have it and it doesn't have to be autoimmune, but I have autoimmune medicines. So, um, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't like, I, I, like, again, I don't, I obviously spoiler alert. I'm not a doctor. Like, Oh my goodness. I wonder if she was like so stressed out <laughs> yeah. during this other part of her life that like, her like energy system was like, that's it. We're done. Yeah. Pretty we've much. Up, we've used up all the cortisol. <laughs> you don't have any more yes. for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I actually, I mean, I'm seriously, I, I kind of think I'm like, did, my, did I do this to myself? Because like, I've been so stressed out and just going, going, going for so long. My body just is like, Hey, we're done. We're done. <laughs> I think it might have, I don't know. <laughs> Again, I'm no doctor either. So it might have. Right, so you're, so you're excited, right? You finally have a doctor that looks at your, yeah. your test results and says, I have the answer. You're mm-hmm. like, yes, yes. Thank goodness. Yes. And like, the answer is you're never going to run again. You're like, no, yeah. yeah. I need to go see another doctor. Yeah, pretty much. She's like, you're not running. And like, we really have to figure out how to limit stress in your life. Like that's a huge factor. And like, you have to be really careful about getting sick because you can go into a crisis and, um, I'm laughing under my breath because yeah. I'm like, you're the mother of four kids. Like, good luck. Good luck with not having stress. <laughs> no, I, I, we still laugh about it. We'll be like, really? Like, how do you limit stress when you have four kids and one that is constantly having seizures all the time? I'm like, there, you just can't. You just do the best that you can do and then kind of laugh about everything else, you know, because like, really? <laughs> but no. yeah. Are you, are you, a, are you a Parks and Rec fan? No, I've never seen it. Oh my goodness. It's like, it's my favorite episode. So like oh. the main character, Leslie Nope, uh, it's Amy Poehler. Oh, I love her. Is, is, is yeah. Her character. So she's like super type A, like she's the definition of type A, like in every respect. So yeah. all of a sudden she's, she's pregnant and she has triplets and her daughter's oh my gosh. Like, so you just can't be, <laughs> you can't experience any stress. 
<laughs> so, so everyone looks around like side-eyeing each other like uh-oh like <laughs> yeah good luck with that you know so like for like 10 hours it works and then she then everyone just has a breakdown oh and, like yeah. that was like that's like what's going through my head as i'm hearing yeah. you tell the story of like the doctor being like okay so no more stress got yeah. it yeah and don't do the thing that actually helps relieve your stress don't run even though that's a big stress relief don't do that either yeah it's like oh all right <laughs> but... so what was so what was the so what happened between that that you know that that mm-hmm. conversation with your doctor to the point where like as we already know from the beginning five minutes of this episode you started <laughs> running again oh yeah so what so how did that flip yeah so I left there like devast or I didn't leave there she actually called me so I spent that night devastated and you know I spent a few days just like I don't know it was kind of like this surreal like just horrible period. And I met my friend, Jesse. She's the one that I've been running with for the last, you know, 14 years. And we met for coffee and I was telling her about everything. And she's like, Holly, that this, this doesn't sound like you, like, you're not just going to listen to her. Like, come on, this isn't you. Like, you're going to find a way you got it. You got to find a way. And I needed someone to say that to me. I needed someone that wasn't going to be like, Oh my gosh, we're so sorry. I needed someone to kind of give me a kick in the pants and be like, no, what are you doing? Like, stop quitting on yourself. So I went back to my, I went back to that same doctor and I was like, Hey, listen, I'm running and, um, you can either work with me or I can find somebody else. Like it's kind of your call. And she was like, well, you know, this is what we do with athletes. So I'm like, well, what do you mean? This is what you do with athletes. Like you told me I couldn't run anymore. And now you're saying you kind of have a plan for athletes. So, you know, she's like, well, we, we can try it. She's like, I've just never worked with any type of endurance athletes. Like she would work with people that limited themselves to like 20 to 30 minutes of exercise. So I did some research on my own. Um, and I had seen where other people that had Addison's had run marathons. So we looked at the literature together and we kind of came up with our own plan that, that ended up working for me. And it was a lot of like hit and miss. So um, I started running again. I think it was at the end of January, early February. And we've really just been figuring it out as we go. So there's no like set rule book that you go by. It's kind of like, you know, trying to just figure this out. So and that was when you started working with Mary? No. So I actually started working with Mary in 2017. Um, I had reached out to um, James McCurdy of McCurdy Trained. So mm-hmm. I had been coaching myself for quite some time. I would like reach out to my college coach and she'd give me workouts, but it wasn't like a consistent relationship just because she's super busy and I was super like sporadic just because of life stuff. So, um, I'd been training for Boston, like running a ton, like running like 95 miles a week. And then, um, Joan ended up being in the hospital for about five weeks and I came home. I couldn't do Boston, but I wanted to do another marathon. And I knew like, I just, I was done coaching myself. Like, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like it was just one other stress that I, I just, I was like, I I just can't do this. So I'd reached out to James McCurdy and, um, he, you know, I kind of told him like what was going on, what my history was like, you know, that I really wanted to focus on strength as well, not just running because I needed, you know, to be strong, to take care of my son, you know, cause he, he can't, he's not ambulatory. So, you know, I have to carry him and, um, he, he's eight now. So at the time he, 
at the time that we were um, first chatting, he was like 50 or 60 pounds. So I needed to make sure I had some strength too. So he was like, Oh, we've, I've got the perfect coach for you. Um, Cause that's when Mary was still with him. And so he put it's me funny. in contact. I didn't know. I had no idea you'd contacted James. I don't, yeah. this, like, this, yeah. this, this podcast is like, and now it's become like the McCurdy trained infomercial. It like, was not at all my intention. Um, so it's so funny. Like I had no idea that you actually had that conversation. Right. I, yep, I did. So he, he's the one who put me with Mary. He was like, I have the perfect fit for you. Um, you know, I'll see if she's accepting athletes and then we'll be in contact. So that's how Mary and I hooked up. So that was back in May of 2017. So um, she coached me from May until July when I got sick. And um, she, she was there for me even the whole time while I was sick and not running. And um, yeah, I wasn't sure, you know, if she would want to still coach somebody that was like diagnosed with Addison's disease that was told she wasn't going to run and then was like still just kind of figuring things out. But she was like, nope, she was on board and she's just phenomenal. She is, she's just phenomenal. I could not say enough good things about Mary. So, and you and her, actually, I think you both posted like a time, not a time like a, like a, almost like a zoomed out version of a VDOT calendar mm-hmm. or maybe a Strava calendar. And yeah. Like you could see like the weekly totals <laughs> yeah. over like a three like screenshot, um, photo album of like each week, I guess going back to like March maybe February, February, I think. Yeah. It was like, it was like started at like 25 or so. And it was like two more miles every week or three more miles. It was like, <laughs> yes. it's like very, very small, but linear mm-hmm. progress. And for someone who used to be at, like you just said, yeah, you were at like 95 before then, just a few years ago. What was that like building up uh, from the bottom, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. um, it was necessary at that time. I couldn't handle anything else. So in my head, I would have to tell myself, like, y- this is what you need. My body couldn't handle anything more. But, you know, as I said before, like, I'm that person that's like, no, do more, do more, do more. But I think having been diagnosed, I was like, wow, like, what did you do to yourself? So I just put my complete faith in Mary and was like, no. She's who you need. She's in your life for a reason and just give her your complete trust. So I did. So those small increments that she gave me, they were literally all I could handle. And she knew that because she was constantly checking in with me. Like she didn't just let me go and do things. She would send me a text like, Hey, how are you feeling now? Like, Hey, how did that feel? You know, like, is this okay? How are you doing? So, um, those small increments were, were really all that my body could handle. And she knew that because she was constantly checking um, I'm not sure how they translated into our race, but they did. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now when you race now, mm-hmm. um, how often do you race with Jonah? And when do you decide whether it's going to be a Jonah race or not a Jonah race? So um, once I started running again back in February, well, end of January, February, I felt so terrible. I wanted to stop. Like I literally was like, I I can't do this anymore. Like I'm done running. Like this is too hard. This is too painful. I'm done. And Jonah was the one that was like, Hey mom, how'd your workout go? Or Hey mom, are you running yet? Like, Hey mom, how are things going? Where the other kids are just like, Oh, mom's back to running again. You know, he was like really, really questioning. And it's because, you know, my, my running, and his running go hand in hand. So what I was doing was going to impact him as well. So um, at this point, I 
even in February, March, April, even now, I, I really have no desire right now to run solo. I don't have any desire to go and see like, what can I do on my own? Like he's, he's my guy, he's my partner and that's where my heart lies. So um, right now it's just like, what does he want to do? I don't have any, like, what do I want to do right now? Cause it's not about me right now. It's just about him and about us. So. Wow. So how, when you're running with him, mm-hmm. I guess we, I shouldn't say that when you're running, because mm-hmm. it's one and the same, mm-hmm. um, when you're going for a run, you mentioned before that during the marathon, the goal was to make sure that you were going to be happy and healthy and Jonah mm-hmm. was going to be happy and healthy. Yes. So how do you monitor, monitor, but how do you monitor him while you're out mm-hmm. for a run? We just talk, we just communicate. I'll say, Hey bud, how are you feeling? Um, he's really good about letting me know what he needs as well. He'll be like, Hey mom, give me that snack or Hey mom, I dropped my car or mom, I want some juice or he'll, he'll let me know. So even though he has cerebral palsy, he's really vocal and really verbal. So that's, we are so completely blessed. So he will, he'll just let me know, you know, so he, he's good about that. So and he seems yeah. like quite the cheerleader. <laughs> yes, you he post is. videos of him, and I'm almost like on some level, I'm like, man, he's laying it on thick. Like she's got some pressure on her right now. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he is like the world's best cheerleader. Like you can't find anybody better than him. He's just amazing. He from the last six miles of our race at Wineglass. I'm not kidding. Whenever we passed anybody, he would tell them, "Never give up." nothing is impossible <laughs> anything is possible i'm like yeah buddy <laughs> yep <laughs> i mean he probably said it like 50 times no joke like every single person six miles yep never give up which for me is super encouraging for myself to hear that too because i need yeah, to hear that the last six miles down <laughs> right <laughs> i'm like you're right but never give up okay keep pushing keep pushing <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, so what about being in the chair and going for these runs is like is, is so special for him what does he enjoy about it so much um he it's you know it's a freedom for him so number one it's him and I together like our time together so when you have four mm-hmm. kids you you know it's hard to find time for each kid individually we try and do it as best we can um he's the only one that out of our four that loves to run like when he was three and four he would watch molly huddle um so molly huddle actually is from our hometown so like we're huge molly huddle fans like everybody in our town just adores her so he grew up just like cheering her on so um in addition to watching her he's been obsessed with the boston marathon for as long as i can remember so um like he, he just loves, just loves running. So the act of just going out for a run is just something he loves and he loves being out, you know, that we run this one trail and it's so beautiful and he'll just be like, Oh mom, look at the trees. They're so beautiful. Or, Oh mom, doesn't the river look nice today? You know, like, I just think it's a really peaceful experience for him. So it reminds me of like when you're a kid and you're finally able to like ride your bike without mm-hmm. like parents like hanging over your shoulder the whole mm-hmm. time yes yes like Unf- that kind of like that that sense of freedom about it yes yes I I definitely I definitely think that I definitely think there's that sense of freedom for him because I might you know it's like my legs might be pushing him but his heart like his heart is the one that drives us so you know it, it's just it allows him to have like you know the wind on his face and you know just being outside in nature and it's just refreshing for him and it's and for me for me too, you know. So, right. So yeah. now, like now, like you, 
and people say what's what's an easy run people say conversational pace people are like well i i run alone so like, yeah. do i just have to talk to myself so like you're you're all set for easy runs now yeah, well, you couldn't yeah. do an easy run at all and now like yes. you're like the, the, the queen of easy runs because yes. you have to have that conversation yes pace. absolutely if i don't watch out because he likes to talk so yeah yep well and, and, hey you just ran 308 so you yeah. can really you can really run so i mean <laughs> So obviously you're doing more than just, I'm assuming, I shouldn't say obviously, I'm assuming you must do more than just easy runs, right? You must be oh, doing yeah. tempo work in there. And yeah. I mean, obviously going around a track might be a little difficult with the, with the chair, but. Yeah. So I actually don't do all my runs with Jonah. So I do my run still with, by myself. I do run by myself sometimes and I run with my friend Jesse still. So um, we, Jesse and I will do workouts together. I, for this build up for wine glass we only did one workout per week and then one long run and that long run had some like uh you know it had some like marathon pace work in it so that that would be um you know our workouts and I did do a half marathon with Jonah as like a a wine glass prep but this summer was really difficult it was so hot where we live and um it rained just a ton so trying to get out with him more than um you know, like I, I would prefer to run with him more, but it, sometimes it just didn't happen because I would have to get up at 530 in the morning to run because otherwise it would be too hot and I couldn't run because the heat really affects me. So with with Addison. So. Right. Yeah. Now, have you ever had to deal with a seizure while he was running? Not while he was running, but right before the race. Yes. So and right after the race too. this year, actually, right after the race, he had a terrible seizure. But um, luckily, it was as um, right when we got home. So it was fine. Um, On the bus to the starting line, our very first marathon, two years ago, he had a seizure on the bus. I'm going, oh, my goodness. But not during. We've been so blessed. We've not had a single seizure during. I thought he had one when we were running this time. I'm like, oh, Joan, are you having a seizure? He's like, mom, calm down. I'm not. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Wait, can he answer you? Can he answer you mid-seizure? He can for some of them, not all of them. So he has a multitude of seizures. So if he's having, it's called a simple partial. So if he's having a simple partial seizure, like either his, like you'll see it in his hand or his leg. And um, usually it's in his right hand, sometimes his left hand. And I thought he was having one in his right hand. So then he can tell me. He also has tonic clonics. And um, those are like the ones that you usually see on TV. So um, if he's having a tonic clonic, he can't talk at all. They're, they're just like, they're, he has a complete loss of conscience, consciousness during those. But for a simple partials, he can talk and he's like, oh, I'm having a seizure. And then he tell, he, like, he'll pretend he's a superhero and he'll be like, stop it. I own you. Like, I will fight you as he's having the seizure. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yep. so, he, so, he, so he personifies the seizure and then tries to take yep. it down. Yep, absolutely. Yep. He, he makes oh, it the bad guy. The seizures are the bad guys and he's the superhero and he's going to fight them off. Yep. I'm in. I'm on yep. team Jonah superhero. <laughs> yeah. I'm in for this. No doubt about it. All right. Yeah. So, let's, so, so let's dive into the race. All right. So okay. we have the backstory. We have mm-hmm. like, all right, you know, you, you talked about the ridiculousness of Mary's 720 <laughs> goal race plan. Right. She has yeah. put the governor on you. You said you're not going to go faster than 730 pace for the yeah. first half marathon. Yeah. So what actually happened? Well, so we started. Oh, my gosh. And it was rainy that day. Did you did you see that it rained like the whole day? So we didn't I didn't prepare for the rain. I the night before I looked at the race, I'm like, it's going to be beautiful. And we get there. It's raining. 
So I'm like, oh my gosh, trying to just put as much clothing on him, blankets on him as possible. So the first mile, I was really just so focused on making sure that he was comfortable because we were so like unprepared, I guess, that um, I, I stuck to the plan for the first mile. I actually ended up sticking to the plan for like the first six miles. So she wanted it between like 740 to 750 pace. So I'm like, okay, that, that'll be okay. So we decided to start with like the 325 pace group um, just because I know, you know, sometimes they have a tendency to go out a little bit faster than maybe what they're shooting for. So I'm like, okay, if we just put ourselves at the 325 pace group, we could probably be around a 740, possibly. That didn't work. They went out faster than that. So we were behind them. So um, my friend that I that I run with here at home, Jesse, she started the race with us, which she did two years ago, um, just because it like in the beginning, it's so crowded. And she'll kind of like let people know like, hey, you know, we have a chair coming on your right or we have a chair coming on your left. So she kind of helps us with that. Um, so she did that again this year. So, um, yeah, that that first that first mile, I don't know, I think it was like seven. 40 maybe or 738 742 it was within like that 740 ish range I'm like oh okay well that that's okay but we should probably slow it down a little bit because I don't want Mary to get mad <laughs> so I'm like let's slow this mile down <laughs> so the next mile that I thought we slowed down we didn't we were still like that 740 pace 730 740 so I'm like well okay if she did say 740 so if we just stay around 740 I don't think she'll be too mad because we're sticking to the plan you know so we did like the first six miles were right around like 736 I think to 742 all were within that that pace so at 10k you know she told me I could pick up the pace so like five to ten seconds faster so I'm like oh yes we can pick up the pace so I did and um, I think I ended up dropping like a 715 mile so then I was like, oh, no, <laughs> Mary's going to be mad at me. <laughs> but um, Yeah, so, she, um, you know, I said to my friend, I was like, Jess, because she was going to run till mile nine with us because mile nine is a really big spectating area. And my husband was there with my kids. And so he, um, she was going to pop off and head on out with them and then see us at other points. So, um, yeah, so I was like, oh, Jess, like, we're running really fast. And I'm like, but I feel good. And I kept doing, like, mental checks. Like, okay, how do my legs feel? How does my body feel? How do my arms feel? You know, is my stomach good? Because I'm notorious for having horrible stomach issues. And everything just felt really good. And, you know, I'm like, Jonah, how are you feeling? Are you soaked? Because it it was just raining the whole time. And um, he, he was good. Like, he's like, no, Mom, I'm good. Like, we're good. I'm like, okay, so... Um, we just went with it. So I tried to slow down then and that the next mile actually ended up being another 716, 715. I'm like, okay, I felt like I slowed down and I'm running the same pace. So I'm like, well, maybe if I just stay here, then, you know, I'll be okay. And I won't, you know, like I won't blow up. I won't get into fast, you know, like if I just stay here, things will be fine. Like I feel really good right now. And Mary did say to me, um, before the race, she's like, listen, like, this is just an idea. Like anything can happen, you know, like anything can happen on race day. 
Yeah, but you know? for me, that usually means I go slower than expected. <laughs> oh, no, no way. I never have the, no. wow, this is unbelievable. I am a man. I've never had that either. So, well, our first marathon we did, I did, that was a magical day too. But nothing nothing compares to this one. I, I've never experienced it before. I don't think I'll ever experience it again. It was like that magical where you're just going after, wow. Did that happen? I still don't think it happened. Like, I feel like tomorrow I might wake up and I'll still like, like, oh, see, it really didn't happen. I was dreaming, you know, but. Yeah, they, they measured the course yeah. wrong. I knew yes, it. exactly. They're going to come back mile and be like, was, this is wrong. Every, every mile yes. was 50 meters too short. Yep. I'd be like, oh, that makes sense. That's right. <laughs> but um, yeah, so she told us, you know, no 730 before the half marathon. And I, I just was like, well, she said I could go with it and I feel good. And I feel like I've run enough marathons that you know, if I was pushing the pace too much, I would know. And her main objective was to get to the halfway point without feeling like I was pushing. And I was not feeling like I was pushing at all at that point. I mean, I was just having so much fun. Like everything about that day was just so much fun. And, um, so I just, I just kept going with it. I was like, you know what, we'll see what happens. And mentally, I just kept telling myself like, Hey, if you blow up, you blow up. Like you're not even supposed to be here. Like your doctor told you, you can't even run marathons and you're here. So that's what matters. Like if you have to walk the last six miles, you'll walk and you'll have fun and Jonah will have fun and you guys are good. So I just kind of like tried to mentally prepare myself for like the crash that I thought was going to happen. Um, so that when it did happen, I I'd be able to handle it. It just never happened. So, um, I mean, in yeah. 10 years, 10 years earlier, 10 years, roughly earlier, mm-hmm. you'd run a two fifty seven. Yeah. Yeah. So it's obviously you have the speed in you, mm-hmm. right. But mm-hmm. have you, had you been doing a lot of training work at a seven, seven fifteen mile pace? No, no. Mm-mm. I mean, for myself, yeah. Solo, uh, but no, like Mary had said, even in our, um, like in our, you know, email that we had exchanged prior to our phone conversation. She's like, I think like by myself, I was in a 305 to 310 pace. Like that would be solo without Jonah. So, um, yeah, no, it it was, that was just astounding. I did have like some long runs that were by myself that, you know, I'd run like a seven, I think I started like 720 and worked down to like a 645 or something, but nothing, nothing in my opinion that indicated a 308. With him, for sure. Like, definitely not with him. No, I didn't even think of 308 by myself, so. Now, when you're but, pushing him, mm-hmm. and it's, like, the later stages, right? It's, like, yeah. the last 10K of a marathon, mm-hmm. right? The last eight yeah. miles. Are there, like, obviously, a 20-mile, 18-mile run solo, mm-hmm. you're going to be sore after that, yeah. right? Like, I mean, yeah. you're going to be, not maybe not sore is the right word, but you're going to have certain parts of your body that are going to be sensitive after mm-hmm. that. Now, when you're pushing him, is it a completely different set of muscles that are going to be sensitive or like, is your lower back hurt a little bit? Cause mm-hmm. like maybe your posture will be different. How does it, how does that work for you? Everything hurts, <laughs> but pretty much it's true. No, like your arms, like my forearms were bruised from pushing down on the chair. Like my rib cage around my rib cage was so sore and my low back is like, I feel like I'm 80 after, um, just cause my low back is so sore. It's like none of those things ever bother me on my own, but after pushing him and then your, your hamstrings and your quads take a beating that they typically don't take when you're by yourself. But 
and you're, le- and, you're, and you're like you're leaning forward more so yes. I, I assume yes. again mm-hmm. i mean i pushed like a jogging stroller with like you know mm-hmm. a two to four year old in there mm-hmm. um and it's like you obviously you're not allowed you really you can't move your legs forward as much no you know what i mean it's like right like yes i don't know the, i don't know the exact like physiological name for it but it's almost like you're no, you can't like you know, when you sprint, like your knees come up, like you can't do yeah. that when you're pushing, right? It's almost yeah. all hamstring. Yeah, I feel like a lot of it is hamstrings a lot. Yeah, I do think the chair though, like his chair, I think comes up a little bit more, so you have more freedom in your stride than you do with it with a jogging stroller. But okay. with the chair, you can't like you know how like with a jogging stroller, you can move your arms, like you could hold on with one arm sometimes and like yeah. move your other arm. I had, with to, do his... that, I had to do that today. Yeah. At Six Flags. Oh, did son... you? Oh, yeah. Off and we're using the jogging oh, no. stroller as just like a oh, luggage no. carrier. We're just like dumping stuff. In. Yeah, yeah. And all of yeah. a sudden, he like makes a break for it. So I'm like sprinting oh, through no. Six Flags. I was doing that exact thing. Oh no, that was today. Yes, that was this morning. Oh man. So you got a good workout in this morning. It was supposed to be an off day. I'm like, oh, this is not an off day anymore. Nope. Scratch that. Yeah, yeah. With his chair, you can't like. You can't like take a hand off and run and stuff. So you're really low limited mobility in the upper arms. I mean, I do try and do that every so often and I like try and take them off and like shake them out and stuff, but there's a lot of limited mobility in the, in the upper arms. So, so what was the last like, few yeah. miles like? Oh yeah. So they were incredible. <laughs> um, we, yeah, we hit like the halfway at like uh one, one thirty seven ten. So that would be what, a three, like three fourteen and change, I think. So when I came through that halfway, I'm like, oh my gosh, like Mary's right. We're going to run three twenty. Like she's so dead on, like we're going to do this. And, um, you know, but then I, I kind of was like cautiously optimistic too. Cause I'm like, well, maybe the wheels really are going to fall off. Like they've fallen off in plenty of other marathons that I've run that, you know, I know you can hit 13. And then by the time you hit 18, like you're like a totally different person and your body's dead and you know, you just want to cry and stop. So, you know, it's like, well, maybe that's still going to happen, but whatever, if it happens, it still happens and we're going to still keep having fun. So, um, the next, like those next five miles from 13 to 18 are kind of like, the least populated miles of the whole marathon. So um, they kind of, you know, you can kind of just, I don't know, like Joan and I had a lot of fun during those miles because we had our music on and, you know, like we would, you know, he'd be like, Oh mom, what song we listen to next. And um, we caught up to the three fifteen pace group at that point. I ran into one of my really good friends who had uh, an amazing race. And then we ran into another girl who, um, we knew from Instagram who was like running an incredible race. So that was really cool. Um, so it, that part was really fun. And then, um, hate 18 mile 18, I've blown up at, and, um, cause I've run wine glass by myself and two years I've like literally like died at 18 and like just been in a suffer fest. So, um, I think my family was kind of waiting to see if that was going to happen. And we hit 18 and I'm like, man, I feel great. And Jonah felt great. And he was like so excited still. And so we saw our family and, um, it was just really rejuvenating and and a lot of fun. And so we talked about like from mile 18 to 20, you know, Jonah and I had a conversation, uh, multiple conversations about, you know, like, Oh, we could be hitting the wall here soon. And what are we going to do when we hit the wall? And, you know, I, I told him, and we had talked about this before and I was like, you know, let's just be encouragers. Like when we start feeling really uncomfortable, like let's just encourage other people because, you know, when you encourage other people, it kind of takes away from the pain that you're going through. And, 
you know, in, in a marathon, like those miles are just so hard. They're just so hard. And we were just so happy to be out there. So it was like, you know, let's just work on like making sure we can help and encourage other people. And that'll make those miles fly by for us as well. So that's kind of what we did. And we hit 20 and, um, you, you go down into this park and it's this super steep downhill. And I was like, so worried about this downhill. Cause I thought I was going to, I'm like, Oh my gosh, if I lose him, like if I lose control of this chair going down this hill, like, what are we going to do? So we had a really good laugh about that because he thought it was hysterical. I'm like, Jonah, okay. If I let go of you somehow I'll catch back up. I'm not really sure how. So that was pretty funny. And our miles just kept getting faster and faster. Like we were running like seven flat pace at that point. And, you know, I'm kind of in my head, like, is this for real? Like my GPS is broken. Like, this is so wrong, you know, like, no, this can't be right. And then, um, Mary and our game plan said like, once I hit mile 22, like to just go, like, just do it. So we hit 22 and I was like, well, I don't really know if I feel comfortable just going now because I'm running so much faster than I thought was possible than she, you know, had anticipated. So I was like, I'm just going to kind of like hang here at least for another mile and see. So that mile ended up being like a 658 maybe or 657. I don't know. within in that range. And after that mile, I looked at my watch and I'm like, if my watch is right, like we're on pace for a 310. Like that can't be right. Like we're not on pace for a 310 because we had run a 310 two years prior and thought that that was you know, like never going to happen again, especially with everything that had been going on. So, um, yeah, we hit mile 24 and I'm like, wow, okay, well that was our fastest mile yet. And I still feel really good. So maybe we should just kind of like go for it, you know, and see, like, I really think we're at 310 pace. Like maybe I should just go for it. But in the back of my head, I was like, what's going to happen if you go for, it? are you going to regret these last two miles? Like your only goal was to have fun be happy and be healthy. Like you want to be healthy. You want to be happy. Is this going to, you know, take away from the goal that you set? And, um, you know, it was like, yeah, like, so, you know, I had this self-talk going on in my head as Jonah's like yelling to everybody, you know, like, as I said, he was yelling, never give up. Nothing is impossible. And I'm like, okay, well that 310, you know, I thought that was impossible. You're telling me it's not impossible. You're telling me not to give up. So what do we do here? Do we go for it? Do we just savor this moment? You know? So I'm like, okay, let's, let's savor it and just kind of see where we can push it to. So we did. And, um, I think we dropped down to like a six, a low 650 maybe for that mile. And then, um, we hit mile 25. And once we hit mile 25, I was like, I really just need to take this in. Like we need to take this in. Like this was so unexpected. I cannot be concerned about a 310 anymore because I really don't care if I hit 310. I don't care if I like spend a half an hour walking, you know, the last mile, I don't care, like at this point. And then um, we hit where we had a half mile left to go. And I actually saw the clock in the distance. And it said, like, I don't know, I can't remember what time, but I knew at that point, like, we could go under 310 again. So I just was like, it must have been around 305. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it was. I think it was high 305. It just turned to 306. And I, at that point, I kind of just threw everything out. Like, I, you know, here I am like telling myself, no, don't, you know, just savor it, savor it. But when you see it staring at you, <laughs> you know, I'm like, just go for it. Like, go for it right now. Go for it. And it was really hard because I was, I was sobbing at that point, you know, like I'm, I'm just crying and trying to breathe because I'm so emotional because, 
here we are like finishing this race that we never even thought we'd be able to do again together. And he's got his arm up in the air and he's excited. And the people screaming were just screaming so loud. And I'm like, no, we're just going to, we're just going to go for it. So we did. And we somehow managed to get, you know, under a 310. And it was, it was just incredible. It was just like, I, I, I can't even, like, I can't even describe all the emotions that we felt. It was just, it was amazing. Like it, it was just really incredible so 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 you basically ran the last half mile a six minute mile pretty six minute mile pace um i think we ran it 620 i think it was like a 626 maybe i think it was yeah 626 for the last mile for the last mile right so the last half yeah. mile, like you said you had a half oh. mile it just went to 306 oh yeah yeah it means you, it means you, you wrote it in a three minutes right a three well minute, maybe half it's mile a finish? Well, maybe it's a seven, six hundred, seven hundred. I don't know if it's exactly a half a mile. Yeah, so whatever. that's, yeah, no, that's no, no, a rough right. estimate. Yeah, that's so. that's, that's awesome. a rough that estimate. <laughs> it's also like, you said, I want to enjoy this, but what's more enjoyable yeah. than running fast? Yeah, right. <laughs> it is enjoyable, <laughs> but I don't know. Having fun, having fun, I guess that, that was the point, you know, just, just having so, fun. This is just so awesome. It, it, it's like, I, I struggle here trying to like put myself like in your shoes there right like all right like what i try to like value almost like weigh the different parts of your life that you must have been reflecting on at that moment Mm -hmm. and been like this is so awesome because dot 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 like if it was like mad libs you could like fill in that space with like so many you know words or phrases like what were the what were the initial things that came to your mind then Oh, disbelief. It was just disbelief. Um, do you mean like when we were coming down the it, finish it, it, line it, or like it, when we finished? I guess or... a little bit of both, I guess. Both? So like, what, what were the overwhelming thoughts that you were experiencing? Oh, gratefulness, just gratitude, complete and utter gratitude, gratitude to everybody that, you know, was like, no, you can do this, you know, or those that didn't think that we could, but still showed up anyways, just because they wanted to support us and just thankfulness because, you know, it was like, here we are doing what we love and we thought we would never be able to do that again. And I, I felt it in our first marathon that we ran together, but you literally feel like so connected to everybody that supports you in that time. At least I do. I just feel like they're like literally with us crossing that finish line. You know, it's like just so overwhelming. Like I feel like here I'm taking you guys with me and you can just feel all of their energy with you. It's, it's really intense and it's really, really special and really cool. Right. I mean, it's just like the woman who was told that she wouldn't run again, pushing her son who has undergone so many things that we've discussed. Mm -hmm. It's like one plus one equals like just phenomenal. Like it's like one plus one equals two, right? It's like, it's like the sum of the parts equal this, like, was it just like so much more than the pieces yeah it was surreal it's so it's still surreal. like i still like i'm like right now i could just start crying i'm like did that did that still really happen (laughs) oh that happened okay (laughs) but yeah i mean how like i'm just saying looking forward or Mm -hmm. even when you're talking to other people like i don't know Mm -hmm. if you coach other runners but you've obviously experienced a lot of things and you probably have a lot of um you know, a lot of lessons you could share with people. When you see people who were down in the dumps 
and questioning their ability, not just as a runner, but just as a person, mm-hmm. like what are some of the things that you would tell them that you've been able to just you know, figure out on your own through all of your experiences? Take it a day at a time and just focus on, you know, what's most important. And if we're talking about running, you know, running is great and running is, you know, necessary, but running isn't the end all be all. And you have to really feel connected to it and, you know, feel like it's something that brings you joy. And if it's not bringing you joy, then, you know, I don't at this point, then maybe, you know, find something else that brings you joy. I think it's really important to just not live in the bad times and know that when you're going through them, like there's always going to be the other side. Like it's always going to get better. No matter how bad it gets, it will get better. You just kind of have to, you know, push your way to it, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know, you know, and yeah. in Jonah's words, never give up, never give up and just keep, keep wording because nothing's impossible. Even when it seems totally, totally outrageous and impossible, it's not, it's not if you give up, if you have that mindset of like, nothing's impossible, you know, rather if you have the mindset that it is impossible of course it's going to be impossible right because you you're not going to try you're going to keep giving up you're going to keep quitting and of course then you're not going to accomplish anything you just have to keep believing like hey if i just keep doing this then i'll get there you know and you so, too are know. proof of that right i mean <laughs> Thanks. Proof of that. i mean you know for all the reasons we just <laughs> mentioned and then like you know we've talked about Jonah and all the things that, that he seems like a great person to be around. And he's obviously <laughs> he very optimistic, but like yeah. it would be easy for him not to be optimistic. Mm-hmm. Like that yep. was not like a fait accompli. Like he didn't, he didn't right. have to be the most op- optimistic guy in the world. He doesn't have to be like the one cheering on everybody. Right. That's right. not like part of necessarily like how he has to be. Like obviously those are choices right. he makes as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's eight and he makes those choices. So when I'm having a bad day, I look at him and I'm like, oh my gosh, how can I, how can I even be bothered or be upset by this? Like he's choosing to be happy. He's choosing, you know, to look on the bright side. Like I have to do that too. You know, like I I have to do that. You know, I'm his mom and I I have to, (laughs) I learn more from him than he learns from me, as you can see. So (laughs) he teaches me a lot more than I teach him. So. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Oh, I, I thank you, man. This has just been so much fun. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that I like to do at the end of every episode. But this has okay. really been extraordinary. I can't oh, say that enough. Thanks. Oh, thank you. All right. So when you're out there, I used you said before that you know, journalist, journalists listening to music. As mm-hmm. do you, you, you got the, yeah. the speakers going. I'm assuming. So yeah. what are you? What are you listening to? Um, we listen to a lot of like alternative music. So he's a big, uh, we like like Dashboard Confessional, um, uh, Panic at the Disco. Um, yeah, just a lot of alternative. Okay. All right. Yep. Now, what advice do you give other people that you have trouble following? <laughs> Take your easy days easy. No. <laughs> <laughs> you check that box. You got that one. Yeah. I do that now, but I still struggle with that. But yeah, take your easy days easy. <laughs> yeah i love it all right so you can do one more race the rest of your life but you can only do i'm sorry if you can only do one more race the rest <laughs> yeah. of your life but you could do it every year what race would that be oh wine glass of course it's of in course. my backyard and it's the best race <laughs> I, that was like that's why i flubbed the question i'm like i'm gonna ask a question i already know the answer to it all right all right, all right. Yeah. other end of the spectrum what's a bucket yes. list race 
that you want to do? Well, I mean, Bo- I mean, I want to do Boston. I've qualified and tried to do it for so many years, but um, so Boston. But I also, I want to do an ultra with Jonah. Like, I want to find a road ultra to do with him somewhere. So if you have any ideas, let me know because that's that's what we we're talking about today. We're like, yes, we're gonna find a road ultra and do that. So I have yeah. a feeling. I have a feeling you're gonna have some people <laughs> reaching out to you on that one. Um, I hope so. <laughs> and then, who is your and or Jonah's dream running partner. Oh, it's going to say, I already have my dream running I partner. Know, it's Jonah. <laughs> but um, Jonah's is Molly Huddle, of course. I mean, he he just, he loves her to pieces. So, oh my yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Now, has he ever met but, No, he hasn't. It's so crazy. Maybe someday when she comes home again, I'll see if I can stalk her and find out where she is. <laughs> where, where is home for you? In Elmira, New I live in Pine City, but um it's close to Elmira, New York. Oh, okay. So it's like right next to Elmira. So yeah. yeah. See, I see I live in Rhode Island, which is where oh, Molly lives. Yeah, she trains and lives. Yes. yes. Yep. So like that yep. was I recently changed jobs. I used to be at Providence College and now I'm at a, a different university now. But that yeah. was the highlight of my day was that twice a week I got to see her and oh. Emily Sisson doing their track workout. Like I could like see them yeah. from like the kitchenette in our office. So I oh, would, like, that's amazing. So I would just be sitting there like making endless cups of coffee from like ten thirty oh, to wow. eleven thirty. Like oh wow, they're doing eight hundred. Uh, this is awesome. I'm like having my oh, watch. I'm like incredible. timing them. Oh, I love that. That's incredible. I would be just staring at them. Like I'm just gonna wait here for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was having like these awkward, <laughs> these awkward kitchen conversations. People were like. Oh. <laughs> I really got to get back to my desk. I'm like, oh, all right, fine. I'm like, just looking for excuses to stay in there. <laughs> to stay in there and watch them. Yeah, yes. exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> well, Holly, thank you so much for the time. Oh, this has been a pleasure. You, I really appreciate it. And good luck with all the future running with you and Jonah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a great night. Okay. Thank you. You too. Thank you, Holly, for just... An extraordinary conversation. It was really my pleasure. Also, big ups to Megaton Coffee, the official fuel of the Rambling Runner podcast. I love this stuff. Go check it out, megatoncoffee.com. And thank you as well to the listeners. Thank you for tagging me whenever you share this episode or any of the episodes that we do. Uh, it really is nice to see that you like it. Also, the feedback is very helpful as well, uh, as well as finding guests that might be a good fit for the show. Uh, Holly Hughes is a great example. Um, I'm not sure, sure exactly when I became aware of what Holly was up to, but boy, am I ever glad that I was able to see uh, see exactly what she was up to because this really was one-of-a-kind uh, episode. So thanks to everybody. I hope you're doing well and happy running.